Um, God's been really um, speaking to me about my life and how I live it. And um, I don't know whether you would kind of agree with me on this, but when you read, you know, when Paul talks about, the Apostle Paul talks about, you know, wanting to do good things, but somehow he doesn't manage it. And um, I'm paraphrasing here. And, you know, but the evil things he doesn't want to do, he does do. Do you know that? He says that. And, and we, can't, we all understand that, don't we? That, you know, we can, um, I can have a really bad day and, and give my husband a hard time. It does happen. He was here at the morning, uh, the early service. Otherwise, he could confirm that. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do that again. You know, that, I, no, that's not that's not what I want to do. Until something else kind of happens, and I suddenly find that I'm, you know, getting kind of cross again, or whatever it is. You know, we all struggle with things we don't want to do. Or maybe you know, you're like me, and I'm, I kind of turn over a new leaf, and I think I need more exercise. So I'm going to get up in the morning, and I'm going to go for a, a walk before church. And, and then I wake up and it's raining and I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe not today. <laughs> oh, so I haven't done the good thing that I wanted to do. I'm being a little bit flippant here, but you get, get the impression. But I, God's really been speaking to me about what does it mean to live a victorious life? And um, I thought I'd start by just finding out what the dictionary said. What does victory mean? And the dictionary says this, it says, the overcoming of an enemy or antagonist, or gaining mastery or success in a struggle or endeavor against odds and difficulties. And I think as Christians, we we kind of understand that, don't we? That we are often in a struggle um, against what seems to be difficult odds or, you know, difficult circumstances. And we're in that struggle. And as Christians, we know that we have enemies and we have difficulties to be overcome. Now, we all know who our kind of worst enemy is, don't we? That's Satan. You know, Satan is our enemy. The Bible tells us that we, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. Uh, and sorry, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And we find that in Ephesians 6. And it's not just Satan, is it? The world can be our enemy as well, either with the temptations that it holds or the difficult circumstances that we can experience in it. And the Bible tells us not to love the things of this world. And it also, Jesus himself said, you know, in this world you will have troubles. We have temptations in this world, and we have difficult circumstances. And then, of course, there are our internal struggles. Um, As we battle against enemies like fear and discouragement, or doubt, maybe apathy, or maybe selfishness or unforgiveness. But you know, don't you, that we are called to live lives of victory over all our enemies, knowing who we are and whose we are. In Philippians 4:13, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, he's writing in the context of having learned to be content in all circumstances. So Paul endured a lot of hardships. We read the list, you know, he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he was put in prison. All the things that Paul experienced, those hardships. And yet, he had learned to be content and to be able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I think that's because Paul knew who he was, he knew whose he was, and he knows who Jesus is. Which is not to say he didn't struggle, because we know from elsewhere in his letters that he did. You know, I talked about that at the beginning. Sometimes he didn't do the good he wanted to do, or he did the evil that he didn't want to do. He struggled. But victory is something that we can live in every day of our lives. 
Victory over the enemy, victory over sin, victory over our emotions, and victory over our circumstances. In fact, it's God's desire that victory is the place that we live in, not the place that we go to occasionally, not the kind of ups and downs. We can live in it every day. And living in victory is possible because we have his spirit living within us. We don't have to pray for victory. Do you know that? Rather, we need to learn how to pray from victory because we already have it. 1 Corinthians 15:57 says, But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes what we should be praying is we need to learn how to believe it. Oh, Lord, give me grace to believe that I have the victory in whatever I'm struggling with. Because we are human, we have a tendency to look at the outside and focus our attention on behavior or attitudes. Whereas God, he looks on the inside. He's more interested in the heart. But do you know that the enemy wants to keep us focused on the external things, the outside? Why? Because he knows that it's often not really an attitude or a behavior issue. It's an identity issue. Because attitudes and behaviours come out of who we are or who we believe we are. Now, we haven't got time to look at it all this morning. But if you were to read through um, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, God had sort of challenged me to kind of read Ephesians recently. It wasn't too hard because I really love Ephesians. But one of the things, I don't know about you, when I'm reading, I tend to sort of read through it, maybe a chapter at a time, maybe the whole, but whatever it is. And then there'll be things that stand out to you as you read, won't there? And you're thinking, oh, yeah, I really get that. But actually, God challenged me to try and look a little bit more at the book as a whole. And it's a good discipline to do that. Because when you read through Paul's letter to the Ephesians, you find that the first three chapters are all about our identity. It's like he's saying, remember who you are. And he uses words like chosen, predestined, adopted, sons, holy, blameless, redeemed, forgiven, marked with a seal, and inheritance. And that's just in the first 14 verses of chapter 1. If you carry on reading, you're going to find a lot more. And then when we get to the end of chapter 3, so the end of those first three chapters, he goes on to say this in verse 17. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long, how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And it's only after reminding them of who they are in God that he goes on in chapters 4 to 6 to deal with behavior issues. And you can see that if you read through it. Because as we understand who we are, as we understand who we are to God and his love for us, the more our behavior and attitudes will reflect who we are, who we really are who God says we are. And if you're struggling this morning with an attitude or a behavior or a sin issue that you've been dealing with for a long time and that's led you to self-condemnation, shame or hopelessness, I want to tell you that's not who you are. And I'd like to encourage you to change your focus instead. 
Start asking the Father to show you who you are instead of focusing on the problem. Start connecting with the Father and find out how much he loves you just as you are with the thing that you're struggling with and change your focus. Start to ask God what you're going to do with this situation and start to change your focus and put it on him. See, Father God never condemns us when we fail. Rather, he says, come on, up you get. Let's try that one again. I have already given you the victory, so you need to remember who you are and take hold of what is already yours. So what is already ours? Well, this is not an exhaustive list. I've just gone through and made a few notes of things that stood out to me. You'll be able to think of many more, I'm sure. Firstly, our sins have already been dealt with on the cross. So we're righteous. We're saints, not sinners. We can sin, but God sees us as saints. Therefore, the enemy cannot condemn us, and we should not condemn ourselves. We're really good, aren't we, sometimes, at condemning ourselves. That little inner critic gets going. But God does not condemn us because Jesus took all of that on the cross and God sees us as righteous. And we're no longer slaves to sin, which means, if we're not slaves, that it's possible to choose to think and to act differently. And part of that is to remember who we are. We are able to grow in faith and connection with God. If we can grow in faith and connection with God, then all things are possible for us, including living a victorious life. And the Bible says we have the mind of Christ, so we're able to experience transformation in our thinking and in our actions. And God's supernatural power is available to us, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That's in Ephesians 1. So we have the power to change our behavior and to see our, our behavior and our attitudes changed. And then we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes when we think about being filled with the Holy Spirit, we have this kind of picture in our minds, don't we? Of sort of a tank, you know, and it's like it's a bit empty of petrol and we need to kind of top it up so the car can go down the road. You know, that, that sort of sense. But actually, that's not really true because the Holy Spirit lives in us. He's come to make his home with us. You have the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think it's more about becoming aware of how much the Holy Spirit fills our lives, our mind, our wills, our emotions, all of that can be spirit-led, and so we can lead a victorious life. And then he's promised that he will always be with us. So we're not, he's not asking us to do this on our own. He says that he will always be there with us. His presence will always be there with us. Victory over anything has to be walked out one step at a time. But victory has no borders, no boundaries, and no limits. There is nothing and no area that we cannot be victorious because when he wants us to do something or change something, he's promised that he will be there, that he will give us the power, that he will give us the wisdom, whatever it is that we need to live victoriously. God's promises haven't changed. His presence is always with us, whether we're feeling it or not. Now, Kate Harpham and I have been um, running a course um, for women called The Thing Is, and we've been um, looking at some of this stuff. And one of the things we were thinking about was when we're going through difficult circumstances, sometimes it's kind of hard to hold on to that, you know, the God is good mantra that we have here. Um, and we use the example that if you're, um, if you're outside on a cloudy day, a bit like today, or you know, the fog this morning, 
you can't see anything, can you? You can't see the sun. It's just a dull grey day. But if you were to go up in an aeroplane through the clouds, what would you see? You'd see the sun because the sun is still shining, even though you can't see it with the cloud cover that we have today. And actually, that's the same for God. Sometimes it just feels like we've got this cloud cover over our lives for whatever reason, whatever's going on. But, you know, God is still there. God is still good. God is still shining. A couple of my most favorite verses in the Bible um, come from Hebrews. Hebrews um, 13, 5 and 6. And in those verses, um, the, 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 the writer says this, I will never leave you. Or forsake you. That's what God says. I will never leave you or forsake you. And then in verse 6 it goes on to say, So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. Now why is that so great? You know those verses, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And sometimes we feel a bit like that, don't we? It's like, oh, well, I'm here, and well, God is here. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Yes, I know you're there, God, but actually I'm just really struggling in these circumstances or whatever it is right now. And although I kind of know you're there, I don't feel any great connection. But those verses, when you translate them kind of a bit more literally from the original, it says this, I will never, never leave you, nor will I ever, ever desert you and leave you helpless. Therefore, we can say with confidence, the Lord will run to my aid. I don't know about you, but I think, wow, when I hear that. God really wants to emphasize the never, never and the ever, ever and the fact that he will run to our aid. And, you know, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the idea of the prodigal son, you know, when he comes home and we read that the father ran to him. And that is, that is how God is with us. When we need God's help, he will run to our aid. And so we can have confidence in that, that we can live a victorious life. Because we aren't meant to achieve some victory, but to live in complete victory. So how do we live from victory and not for victory? Well, again, in the course that Kate and I have been running, we try to give people some practical things to do um, to to help actually live a a more victorious life, to live in in greater freedom. And one of the the things we did was we invited Catherine Horton to come in and um, talk about declarations. And if you were listening to the video, you'll know that they have... um, uh, they're going to be running a connect group and honestly I think it'd be absolutely great so if you like the idea of that do go along declarations why do declarations help us well I think actually one of the main things is, is that there is power in what we say because over time it changes what we think And we know that the word of God is powerful because the Bible says God's word never returns to him empty. And we know that Jesus used the the word of God, didn't he, against the devil in the wilderness. When we start to declare truth, what happens is it raises our faith levels. And we've had, I can't really share them because they're obviously personal to other people, but we have had a lot of testimonies from the lady in our group since we kind of did the declarations thing of how it's changed their thinking. They've started to do it and it's changed the thinking and had a real impact. And um, I've got a kind of little fun one to share on that because my youngest Matthew, who's um, studying in in a university in The Hague in the Netherlands, um, once a year the university set them a kind of challenge, which they don't have to do, but they can if they want. And the idea is that just about a week beforehand, they get told a destination in Europe. And the idea is that they have to try and get to that destination in Europe without spending any money on transport. 
So this year it was getting from The Hague in the Netherlands to Marseille in the south of France. And um, you're not allowed to do it on your own, so you have to do at least one other person. So they set off, three of them in his group, um, on Saturday morning early, and everything seemed to be going okay until sort of Saturday late evening when I get a text from Matthew which says, Mum, we are stuck in a service station just south of Dijon. And he said, there's no one around, and we're hungry, and we're cold, and we're fed up, and we've been here three and a half hours, and we want to get to Marseille. Please, will you pray? So I never mind praying for my kids, as you can imagine. So I started to pray, and I did the, oh, Father God. I'm thinking, do you, when you're praying, do you ever sort of, somebody asks you to pray for something, and you just feel like one sentence won't be enough, so you keep thinking of slightly different ways of saying it to make sure God has kind of got the point, you know that one? So, and I know, because I've done it too, but I just start to pray, and I'm thinking, no, I'm, no, 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 I, I've learned something here. I'm going to start to declare over my son and his friends. And so instead of just saying, Lord, please, whatever, I said, okay, Father God, you are their rescuer, which is a nice kind of scriptural thing, isn't it? You are their rescuer. And I just kept declaring, Father God, you are their rescuer. You are going to rescue them, Father God. And I hadn't been praying for more than a few minutes, or I hadn't been declaring for more than a few minutes, when I get another text comes through, and I get a look, and it goes, Mum, we've got a lift. <laughs> But the thing is, there's no magic. It's not a magic formula. Okay, It's not a, like if I just declare rather than pray, that's God's going to answer my prayers. It's, it does something to us. It raised my faith. As I started to declare, I started to believe it. Yes, God is their rescuer. Something's going to shift. Something's going to change. And I was having a conversation with the same son yesterday and we were just talking about brexit because we've got a son studying in the netherlands we are particularly interested in brexit especially as we're supposed to be going over to visit him this weekend not good timing so we're thinking well if we suddenly crash out my husband's saying do i need an international driving license do i need a great what do i need you know he's kind of doesn't know what to do so yeah we're quite interested in brexit but I was talking to my son and telling him how my husband had been um, in a, a restaurant in, uh, in the city and just overheard a couple of guys um, speaking there and a couple of businessmen. And one was saying to the other one, do you know what, I don't think I'm ever going to vote again. And I, I think that was kind of symptomatic of the fact that whatever your views, whether you think we should leave or remain, um, people are fed up with what's happening in government at the moment. And a feeling, what is, you know, what is the point? Because no one seems to care about the country. They just seem to care about their own ideologies or whatever it is. And I said, so I said to my son, I just, he's doing politics, by the way. So we get into a lot of these conversations. And um, so I said, so I don't know. I, said, I don't know what it is that, you know, that people are feeling. And my son, who can occasionally be very kind of perspicacious, he sort of said, actually, I think it's hopelessness. And I thought, yeah, I think actually he's right. There is a sense of hopelessness in the country over Brexit, whichever side you're on. Do you know, I want to encourage you. God said to me, who is the hope of the nations? He is the hope of the nations. So if you're struggling with all this, you know, I want you to join me over this next next kind of week or so, just declaring, God, you are the hope of the nations. God, you are the hope of this nation. God, you are the light of this nation. And we need to let that faith rise within us. That whether we leave, stay, whatever we do, whatever happens, God is still the hope of our nation. And, 
You know, it is so important that we get hold of those truths that God has. Anyway, I could stay on that one for a while. I won't, because otherwise we won't get home, will we? We'll still, it'll be like on the um, video, it'll be dark before we get out of here. (laughs) Okay, so what else? What else helps us lead a victorious life? Well, something that for me goes along with that is to choose to take God at his word, literally. The Bible is full of his promises, and the promises, his promises, are about you, so, let, let me just take um, a verse. So take the verse, um, I do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Yeah? I can read it like that. Or I can say, I do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And we do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. God will provide. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Are we going to say God will provide all of my needs according to his riches in glory? Or are we going to say God will provide all of my needs according to his riches in glory? God will provide all of your needs according to his riches in glory. And God will provide all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Now, I hope you can hear the difference. I mean, can you feel faith rise when we do that? Yet we have to believe what God says. And God wants us to make choices about how we think and how we live. Father God wants us to be able to make empowering choices about how we think and how we act. So that we we act out of who we are. We don't have our choices dictated by our circumstances. Now I want you to imagine a circle. This circle is your ideal choosing zone, okay? And in there, we have the true you. So this is the you that God says you are. This is the child of God. This is the one that has authority and power. This is the one who is loved and safe and secure in him. This is your ideal choosing zone. And out there, around the zone, are all your circumstances, all the things that you're having to deal with right now. Now, you have a choice. You can come and stand in your ideal choosing zone and you can make decisions with God out of who you are and out of who he's called you to be and out of who he is or you can stand right in the middle of your circumstances and be buffeted around by those and think I don't like being here I just do anything to get out of these what can I do how can I get out of these Now, the difference is if you make choices here in your circumstances, they don't tend to be very powerful choices. They don't tend to bring you a lot of peace. If you step into your choosing zone, your ideal choosing zone of who you really are, then the choices you make with God will be powerful choices. They will bring peace. And even when circumstances don't necessarily change, because sometimes we just have to accept that we can't change the circumstances, we do that with God. And we are there with God. So I want to ask you a question. Where do you want your decisions and your behaviors and your attitudes to come from? Do you want them to be dictated by the circumstances that you find yourself in? Or do you want to take powerful decisions from the place where you are the person that you are meant to be? Something else. We need to let him touch our heart. And that means choosing to connect with him. Not just sometimes, but all the time acknowledging him as a friend that is always with us throughout the day. Now, God's really been challenging me on that one, um, that when I get up in the morning, I should be saying, so, Father God, what are we going to do today? 
And then having conversations with him, you know, throwing up conversations with him as I'm doing the stuff that I do through the day. And then at the end of the day, saying, okay, Father God, so what, what did I learn from today? What do you want to show me from today? What happened today? Why do I want to do that? Because he is the one. I mean, I think, um, I have a feeling Martin probably wrote that song. Yes? <laughs> yeah, I thought so. Um, the song that Martin wrote when it was about my daddy loves me. Who wouldn't want to spend time with someone that loves them? And yet so often we can go through our entire day without connecting with him and letting him touch our hearts. We need to let go of our expectations and ask God to give us his expectations. Sometimes it's about letting go of what we want, i.e. the solution that we want, and just living from where we are and trusting God for the solution. It might not look like the solution that we thought, but actually his plans for us are always better than anything we could imagine for ourselves. And God's taught me something um, over this last year. Um, a lot of you probably know by now, I've mentioned it before, that Stuart and I have had a really tough year in terms of ill health and, and different things. And um, God has, has taught me something, and that is to ask what rather than why. Because when we find ourselves in very difficult circumstances, we have something going on, then the temptation is to, even if we're not actually consciously doing it, we've got a why going around in our head. You know, why is this taking so long, God? Why haven't you done something about it? You know, why am I experiencing this? You you know that one? You've been in that place? Yeah? And um, God says to me, I want you to stop asking why and start asking what. Because why tends to keep us in this little loop of feeling sorry for ourselves and not seeing any progress. And it tends to be past, maybe up to present, but past and present focus. Whereas the what, that's future focused. That moves us forward. So instead of saying, why is this happening? I've been learning to say, okay, God, these are the circumstances. This is what's happening. What are we going to do today? And... um, Way back in uh, sort of last year when I was first going through some issues and they thought I might have pancre- pancreatic cancer, which I don't have, but I had to keep going for scans and, and it was really beginning to get to me because I'd be sitting there in the, in the kind of hospital thinking, oh, why am I here? I could be back at Eastgate. I've got loads to do. I've, you know, all the things that you kind of say, this is a waste of my time. And then I was sitting in there one day and, um, and that was the why. I was sitting in there one day and drinking gallons of water and having to sit and wait and it was pretty full in the, in the waiting area. And a young woman, very smartly dressed, um, probably come from work, this was up in, in London. She came in and she went up to the desk and I heard her say to, to the receptionist, I'm here for a mammogram and a chest x-ray. And uh, I'm next, way, way back, I'm next nurse. And so I'm thinking, oh gosh, you know, they're worrying about breast cancer. Maybe they're worrying that it's spread because they want to do a chest x-ray. I don't know. But the thing I really noticed about her was how scared she was. Because as she went and sat down across the waiting area for me, she's sitting there. And you know when people are trying to calm themselves and she's just going, <sighs> just trying to take deep breaths and her hands. And just everything about her said, I am petrified to be here. And then God said to me, just start to pray. And so I literally just started in my head to pray peace over. Father God, I just declare peace over this woman. Father God, I just declare that you are going to cause her um, fear to, to start to settle. And I promise you, as I started to pray, I watched this woman visibly just settle down and complete peace over her. Um, and I, do you know, something changed. I thought, okay, I thought this was a waste of time. Actually, God had other ideas. So the why went out the window because the what that day was, I'm going to get you to pray over someone. I'm going to have you make a difference because you're my daughter and you have the authority and power to do that. 
And the what is such a powerful tool. I would really encourage you, you know, when you find yourself in a difficult circumstance or whatever it is, or you don't know why you're doing something, just say, God, okay, this is a situation. We're real about it. Now, what are we going to do today? And see what he does. Be patient with yourself. You know, you may not be victorious all the time, but don't get into that cycle of self-condemnation. You are a victorious man or woman of God, and you are walking in ever-increasing victory. And remember, you are a powerful child of God. We empower the enemy when we agree with him. Now, he is very good at making a lot of noise, and sometimes he can be so loud in difficult circumstances that we struggle to hear anything else. But we are living from victory, not for victory. It's like Jesus put a bullet in Satan's head. He's already dead. He just doesn't know it yet. We need to remember that. He has no power over us. He just likes making a lot of noise. I already said, you know, sometimes we have to know what we can't change. But not being able to change something doesn't need to mean we we have to get stuck there. Actually, God has got good plans and purposes for us. And sometimes we need, okay, I can't change that right at the moment. I suppose it's back to a what again, really. But, you know, what are we going to do, God? And then this one, as we're coming towards an end... I just love this. There's some, it was, I found it as a, a kind of quote from somebody called Susie Ella. No idea who she is, but I loved this quote. She says, exchange the rock you have been carrying for the one you can stand on. I mean, I love it. I think everyone should just write that up somewhere. Exchange the rock you've been carrying for the one you can stand on. Now, I can look around here and I'm sure you can all think of different rocks that you carry that actually it's about time you put them down and stood on them. But... For some, I think we carry guilt, we carry shame, we carry the sense of not being good enough. And that can be a rock for us to carry. We can maybe even carry anxiety, something like that, as a rock. But Father God, he says that we are his masterpiece. And I sometimes think, you know, it must, must really hurt his heart when we are so critical of ourselves and each other. I mean, the things I say over me sometimes, if I heard someone saying that over someone else, I'd be horrified. And I'm sure you, you can understand that, that sometimes you say things over yourself you would never dream of saying over someone else. But God hears those things. To live a victorious life, we need to lay down those rocks and choose to stand on what he says about us. The enemy wants us to believe that we are a small people with a small life, a small voice, and an even smaller sphere of influence. Because if we start to believe the truth, then the impact that we will have on this ki- the kingdom and on those around us is huge. He wants us not to believe that we can make a difference, but we can. Yeah. Every second, our every heartbeat, our every breath belongs to him. So my challenge is, will you tr- choose to live a life that pleases him? Because remember... The thing is, we already have the victory. Amen. Amen.